Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Because what it says in 1 John 3, 21, 1 John 3, 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. In other words, if our heart does condemn us, we don't have confidence toward God. Okay, but the brothers found out to their shock that Joseph had forgiven them. And, 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 and that's all a picture of what's, what is going to happen with the Jewish people or, 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 uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, the Lord Jesus we talked about the African slave traders. The Lord Jesus was not a stranger to the Jewish people. Uh, he, he was what the Bible calls their own in John 1.11. John 1.11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. I think that's one of the greatest understatements in the Bible. They, they received him not. And a little bit stronger. But anyway, when the time comes when, when they will recognize their sin, the Bible says they're going to mourn deeply and they're going to be afraid like the brothers of Joseph were in, in Zechariah 12.10. Zechariah 12.10 says, God says, I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Well, what happened to the Italians? No, they have pierced. Well, what about the Romans? No, they pierced them. Okay. They look on me upon, they appear, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is bitterness for his firstborn. So just as the brothers found that, that Joseph had forgiven them and loved them, that's what's going to happen with the Jewish people. Where they're going to find that the Lord Jesus has forgiven them and will love them also in Zechariah 13.9. Zechariah 13.9, he says, I'll bring the third part through the fire and refine them as silver is refined will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name. Well, what name would that be? How about Jesus? They shall call on my name, and I will hear them, and will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Now, what's interesting here, when you look at, uh, in verse 17, when you look at verse 17, is, the, is the one particular Hebrew word, which is translated forgive, it's the word nasaf. It says in verse 17, so shall you say unto Joseph, forgive, nasa, I pray thee the, the trespass of thy brethren in their sin, for they did evil unto thee, they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive, nasa, again, the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept. The Hebrew word used for forgive there, nasa, literally means to lift up. It means to lift up 
as a picture of a person who is bowed down with a burden. He's, he's really weighed down, and it's only forgiveness that can lift him up, that can get him up again. And isn't that what sin does? The sin bows a person down low. It's the burden that weighs on him or her uh, that causes the person to just bow down low under the burden. And forgiveness takes the burden away and lifts them up. Now, we see how the brothers literally did bow down. In verse 18, it says, the brethren also went and fell down before his face. I mean, wow, what a scene is that? I mean, this was the same brothers who cast Joseph into a pit so he could die of thirst. And now they're bowing down before Joseph and they're confessing that they're his servants. And that's a picture how everyone is going to eventually bow down before the Lord Jesus and state what is said in the book of Isaiah, which is Isaiah 45, 23. Isaiah 45, 23, when the Lord said, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. And that's repeated in, in Romans 14, 11, Romans 14, 11, where Paul says, as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So, verse 18, they come to Joseph and, they, and, and by the way, when they did come to Joseph, it kind of brings the question out, why did they come? Why did they come to Joseph? And, and I mean, you know, <clears throat> well, the brothers had, 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 had sold uh, 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 him into, a, as we know, and, and so they had a lot to feel bad about, but why did they come? Because he called them because he called them to come. And, and so, uh, and, 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 and they had sold him as a slave. And that's, by the way, how he was known in, in Egypt. He was known as a slave. I mean, when Potiphar's wife uh, referred to him in Genesis thirty-nine seventeen, Genesis thirty-nine seventeen, she spake unto him according to these words, saying the Hebrew, it says servant, it's the word ebed, it means slave which thou hast brought unto us, came in unto me to mock me. So he's known as a slave. And, and now, now the brothers kind of try to m- change this around. So they said, we be thy servants. And they use the word ebed. With the, we be thy slaves. So in chapter 37, the brothers sold Joseph as a slave. And now in this, in chapter 50, verse 18, now the brothers come and say, okay, we are your slaves. Now, so, so Joseph has called for them to come and, and to him, and at this point, the brothers don't know, you know <laughs> this might be their last day on earth, you know. They, they go, okay, here it comes. They've called, he's called for us, so he's gonna execute us or throw us into prison. So when they, they come before him, we can just imagine these brothers are shaking with fear. They're trembling. They're trembling with fear. And, and, and it says, uh, and, and so therefore, Joseph sees this in verse 19, and he says, Joseph said unto them, fear not, fear not. And now he, he says this, he asks this question, for am I in the place of God? So he calms them to, 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 to not be afraid. And then he speaks about God. I mean, that's something. I mean, the brothers, you know, it's well, you know, our brother Joseph, he really did good in life. He made it, you know, he's the governor of all of Egypt and, and he's now standing before them and he's telling him, don't be afraid because, and he's talking about God. Should, am I in the place of God? 
It showed the brothers that even though Joseph was advanced to this highest position, that his faith in God wasn't extinguished. And, and of course, that's the wonderful part about Joseph also. So they hear him say, fear not, which is like putting a, a healing ointment on a wound for them. And, and at this point, we, we, can, we can sort of get into the head of, of the brothers and, and we can hear them silently saying to themselves, well, he just said that we should be, not be afraid. And our, my question is, our question is, why not? Why shouldn't we be afraid? We got a lot to be afraid for, why not? So Joseph hears this unspoken question in their hearts and, and, and he gives an answer in verse 19. I'll tell you why you shouldn't be afraid. And, he, and his answer is, am I in the place of God, is a question. Now, what do you think he meant when he said, am I in the place of God? What do you, what do you think he meant by that? When Joseph said, I'm in the place, am I in the place of God? What do you mean? Okay, that he wasn't their judge, but God's gonna be their judge. Okay, so this is interesting, because on this side, we have the negative aspect. In other words, am I in the place of God to, in the negative to judge you, okay? On this side, we have the positive aspect. In other words, am I in the place of God who can think good out of your evil? So it's interesting there. And, and, um, and, and so, so, so taking the first one, you know, am I in the place of God? Clearly, that means am I in the place of God to take vengeance, judgment, revenge? Okay, and, and this is what God said in Deuteronomy 32.35. Deuteronomy 32.35, God said, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. In other words, God's saying, you know, God is saying that that belongs to me. That doesn't belong to you, man. That belongs to me. That's my area. You know, like Paul said in Romans 12.19, 12, Romans 12.19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So, so even though Joseph was the governor over all of Egypt, he could do what he want, and, and, and Joseph did not become so arrogant, you know, he didn't arrogate himself. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word. Not irrigate, but arrogate. Anyway, he didn't become so arrogant to think that he was in the place of God. And that was the beauty of Joseph. One of the beauties of Joseph, many, many parts of Joseph beautiful. This is one of the beauties of Joseph. Joseph always maintained a clear understanding of his limitations. He always did. Joseph always knew what was above his pay scale. And when it came to vengeance, he knew that's above my pay scale. And, 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 and so Joseph says, am I in the place of God? He's saying, uh, taking vengeance is above my pay scale. It's above me. Okay. And that means that, that those who do avenge themselves or take vengeance, they take the place of God. Now, you got to wonder if when a person does that, that, that you know, takes vengeance and, and if God doesn't say, okay, you want to take my place? Go right ahead. Let's just see how this works out. Anyway, and, but because really when God does take vengeance, it's much better, and, and then we have the power to do it. So Joseph said, am I in the place of God? He's saying, shall I take God's law into my hands? And, and, and Joseph said, am I in the place of God? So Joseph is, is gonna soon go on, as Jim has pointed out, in verse 20, 
to, 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 to show the wonderful orchestration that, uh, of terrible events uh, to make it come out to such wonderful, wonderful outcomes. And that's God. So when Joseph is saying, am I in the place of God? Joseph is saying, is there any way I can do that? Is there any way I can, can cause all this good to come out of this e- evil like God does? No way. So that's the place of God, and I'm not in the place of God. But there's something deeper about this and more wonderful that Joseph is, going, go, is doing here when he says to his brothers, am I in the place of God? And, and he, 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 he told them earlier, when he, when he, when the, when he told them earlier in Genesis 45 when, it was, when they were going to come there before they went into Goshen, and he said to them, here was his offer, Genesis 45, 10. Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, speaking Jacob, and thy children's children, their flocks, their herds, and all that thou hast. And then he says, and there will I nourish you, nourish thee. For yet there are, there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that hast come to poverty. So he's promised to nourish them. Of course, primarily with food. I mean, not primarily, but so we're referring on the surface to food, but he's referring to, to beyond food, and he's also referring to nourish them in every aspect of their lives, especially spiritually. And, and now we see Joseph is doing this. He's nourishing them spiritually when he asks this question in verse 19, am I in the place of God? As a matter of fact, after Joseph said that, he, he, he then said um, in verse 21, now therefore fear you not, I will nourish you. I will nourish you. So, so how was Joseph nourishing them by asking this question, am I in the place of God? That's, that's the issue here. How was he nourishing them spiritually by asking this question, am I in the place of God? Well, he was nourishing them by slowly and gently and tactfully teaching them. And he's giving them his secret. He's telling them his secret in his life. I mean, how he could live this life of hardships and not become a bitter person. I mean, that's what he's, he's revealing to them. And his secret is he always keeps his eye on God. He's always through the, every, every hard thing he went through. He's keeping his eye on God. Now, the secularist, uh, you know, the, the, the secularist would say, what does God have to do with any of this? I mean, you know, the, this is just a matter of an interpersonal relationship between Joseph and his brothers. God doesn't have anything to do with that. I mean, the secular, secularist does not see God in anything in, in everyday life. It certainly doesn't see God. Like it says in Psalm 104, Psalm 104, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. God is not in any of his thoughts. He refuses to think about God. And this was God's great complaint against Israel. I mean, it was really over the thoughts that were running in their mind. And, 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 he, and, he, and he says in Jeremiah 4.14, Jeremiah 4.14, O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall vain thoughts lodge within thee. So that's what he said. He said, you really had to complain about their thoughts. And he says, he said, you have vain thoughts and you haven't evicted them. <laughs> you know, you haven't expelled them, which is why it's so important for us 
to filter what we think about. You know, like the Bible says, if there's any virtue, any good, these, think on these things. You know, and, and, but man, man says, who cares what I think about? It's only important what I do. My thoughts are my own private space, and I can think about what I want. Like, like, a, like a lost friend of mine told me one time, he said, I have some really horrible pornographic thoughts. But, but, but I, I told him, I said, well, God sees them. God sees your thoughts. And, you know, he has to, you know, kind of hold his breath, but he sees them. As the Lord Jesus said in, in, in Luke, as it says about him, rather, in Luke eleven seventeen, Luke eleven seventeen, but he, Jesus, but he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. So it's, and it's these thoughts that are, that of man that are in his head that God sees that's sin, that's sin. That's what it says in Proverbs 24, 9. Proverbs 24, 9. The thought of foolishness is sin. So the Lord Jesus, along these lines of, of, of condemning thoughts and saying that's sin, that's what he meant when he said in Mark 7, Mark 7, 21. Mark 7, 21, for within, out of the, uh, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, Adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile the man. That's why the Lord Jesus spoke about hating and lusting as thoughts, as sin. He said in Matthew 5.28, Matthew 5.28, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. So he says the thought of adultery makes a person guilty of the sin of adultery. And this was God's great complaint against Israel when he said that, you know, he said, I'm stretching out my arms to Israel. He says, all day long. This is a very tiring thing. In Isaiah 65, 2, Isaiah 65, 2, he says, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people with, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, after their own thoughts. So there's Israel uh, with no thought, no consideration for God, and God is stretching out his, his hands to them for, for them to do. He says, just do what I say, which is in Isaiah 43, 26, Isaiah 43, 26, when he says, put me in remembrance let us plead together, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So God is pleading with Israel for Israel to just put God in their head, put God in their mind, put God in their remembrance. And what Joseph is doing here by nourishing them is he's putting God in their hearts. He's putting God in their minds and their remembrance when he says, am I in God's place? He's saying to his brothers, turn your eyes to God. Now, what he's doing here is he's, he's encouraging his brothers. He said, look up, look up to God you know, with your repentance because, because everything that, that his brothers were doing was all on the horizontal plane. I mean, they were just looking at Joseph and they were saying, man, we gotta get this right. And so they, I mean, they talked about, the brothers talked about God and, 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 and they, they even, they said, boy, I think God's judging us. You know, in, in Genesis 44, 16, Genesis 44, 16, Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? 
what shall we speak or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the, the, the iniquity of thy servants. So they're talking about God. They're talking what he's doing to them. And then they, they go on in another place in Genesis 42, 21. Genesis 42, 21. They said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. So they're realizing they're guilty. Guilty before who? Before God. So they know they're guilty before God. They're talking about God has caught us and, and, and got a hold of them. Talk about how God is judging them for their sin against Joseph. And, and, and they talk about it among themselves. They talk about it to Pharaoh. They talk about it to, to, to uh, I mean, not to Pharaoh. They talk about it to actually Joseph in disguise, okay. And, 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 but it's all horizontal. It's all horizontal. They talk about how God is judging them among themselves, horizontal talk. But the tragic, sad truth is that we never read that they talk directly to God about it. We don't read about any prayer about their sin. They only talk horizontally about their sin. They never talk vertically to God about their sin. Such a contrast with King David, on the other hand, who had a lot to talk about, but anyway, not good stuff. But in Psalm 51.4, Psalm 51.4, David prays to God, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So, but, so, so this is a great need for the brothers to start talking to God, to start looking up to God. So Joseph saw this great need. He saw that, boy, my brothers have no relationship with God. And they never talk to God in, about their sin. So when Joseph says, am I in the place of God, in verse 19, this is Joseph saying to his brothers, boys, you need peace with God more than you need peace with me. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, 
teaching, creation museum and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.